Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood DeFi. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, strong and powerful Zach Killerman. Zach, are you ready to do this? George, I'm super excited to be here. Yes, let's let's go. Zach is an associate publisher at Finder. He's focused on global financial niches and crypto assets. Excited to have you on. Zach, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Uh, George, you know, like many young people in this country, um, uh, on a personal spectrum, I find that traditional investment opportunities really just aren't doing it for me these days. You know, you got to wake up, you got to do the Robin Hood grind in the morning and your commute just to even make any sort of return. You know, you're always struggling, you're always fighting against bad interest rates, just, you know, bad returns, bad everything. You know, you're always trying to put in the work. Um, that That's exhausting for me. In my personal life, I'm, you know, kind of tired of that. Uh, a little sick of that. So I started looking into, you know, how to get more involved in other stuff, um, which eventually brought me around to the world of cryptocurrencies. That was about half a decade ago. Um, I fell in love with it. I thought this is weird. You know, like what's going on here? There's a lot of weird stuff. There's a lot of just odd opportunities, you know, new stuff popping up and, and just a community of people who were looking to create a thing before people had even really thought that it should exist. You know, it was kind of just like a, a wisp of a conversation and someone goes, that that's something we can do. Let's just do it. Um, so that led me to, to getting more involved with that, to getting involved in you know, things like money transfers, just all things money. Um, I found that that really aligned with who I am as a person. You know, I'm I'm the brother, I'm the friend who's, you know, my family's coming to me, my friends are coming to me, like, hey, I want to buy a new washer. I want to, you know, get a new credit card. Which one should I do? What should I do? You know, always just helping with those sorts of decisions. I love to research. I love to just dig into the unnecessary details of things and just spend the time learning about things that I'll probably never use. So I found a nice, you know, place for those all to come together. And, you know, here we are. So what I do at work is that exact same thing, which is, you know, really a, a nice uh, combination of aspects. You know, I I dig into to deep topics. I try and demystify them. I explain them in a very simple way to people. And I try and present all sides of the situation to let people make their own decisions, you know, as best they can. So. Nice. Well, I appreciate that. And it's you know nice to be able to to, to look at a difficult uh, thing, a difficult topic, and to look at it from all different angles and to be as as objective as possible, which seems like a pretty obvious thing that somebody certainly in your situation would do. But it's not necessarily the most obvious thing anymore. So, I wrote down, Zach. I I, I saw that we were having a conversation about crypto and NFTs. And I think it's less so. But what's with the laser eyes on people's social media? <laughs> you know, um, I think that to answer that question, you gotta ask it: What are memes? You know, what are what? What's what okay. is the internet? What's going on with this? <laughs> I think that a lot of that stuff comes from you know one person does it. It happens in one video, one you know one podcaster, one person does it. People go, that's weird. I like that. You know, and then it, it kind of just picks up. You know, like we I mean, look at Dogecoin. You know, Dogecoin is based on a, a meme that was from like all-star runner or homestar runner from you know however many years ago i think that you know you've got a community of people who love creating stuff love the internet love just like meme culture in general and i think that stuff like that that just spirals and spirals and spirals so now you've got it on you know famous people's twitter and all sorts of stuff there's a congressperson i think that has laser eyes or a mayor or someone i don't know okay. you see it all over <laughs> amazing you know and i, I think that that's 
why not, right? Life is uh life life can be fun. There's there's no reason it can't be. And if you want to put laser eyes because you're into crypto or whatever, or you just want laser eyes and have always wanted that, well then 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 I'm certainly all for that. So I haven't looked at your social media, Zach. Do you have laser eyes on yours? I, not on my social media. There is a video with laser eyes. You know, I was happy to join the laser eyes community for a hot second. <laughs> Got it. Nice. All right. So it does. We're having this conversation on July. I should have this information. July twentieth, two thousand and twenty-one. And I don't know what the price of Bitcoin is. It was, it was hovering around thirty thousand, down from the high of whatever it was, something in sixty thousand. It seems like people are less excited about it. Um, but that's neither here nor there because it could go to a million dollars tomorrow. What are what are your just your thoughts on your thoughts and feelings around um, around Bitcoin today? Uh, we are a young market. Um, you know, technically, you can look back. We were founded in two thousand eight with the uh, you know, launching of the Bitcoin white paper. You know, Satoshi Nakamoto, things like that. No matter how you cut it, though, we're you know. 13 years old, right? Barely even a teenager. Uh, on the flip side, you know, stocks have been traded since 1600 or something, and we still have the GameStop, you know, aspect happening. We still have this, like, these ridiculous aspects and scenarios popping up in a pretty established market where, you know, GameStop goes from whatever to, you know, 70, 80, 100, 200, 300 dollars, you know, and they've got to shut down trading, you know, same for AMC, stuff like that. So, when it comes to volatility in cryptocurrency, I tell people don't invest what you can't afford to lose, just like I would for any you know high risk investment in a stock, any options trading, futures trading, stuff like that. So, um, me personally, I like the ride. <laughs> you know, I, I've I've been through a lot of ups and downs. Um, you kind of hit this point where you know you wake up and you're like, oh, my portfolio is down 25%. Well, I'm with my day. You know, I'm in for the long term. Um, I'm here to see this technology through. Um, you know, I understand that, you know, a lot of people have to speculate and trade and, and things like that. And they're really worried about, you know, the day to day price swings and stuff like that. But I think a lot of us in the community, we're here just because we want to see this technology and how it can change things, you know, down the line. I'd love to see decentralized finance across the board, you know, giving more people opportunities and access to financial features that they wouldn't otherwise have had access to. So I'm a hodler, you know, got it. Perfect. I, I think, uh, as I've, I, I'm, I'm fond of saying on the show that I've gone from zero miles an hour to about eight miles an hour in a cryptocurrency. So I've not gone from zero to 60. I'm not even from zero to 10 necessarily. Uh, but I, I think it is fascinating that, um, that you're seeing crypto assets in, in one form or another be able to go just and, and, and do amazing things uh, like help people in Cuba and, and get them money and resources that they maybe wouldn't have had without this new technology. And then obviously there's people who are just interested in getting rich by investing in Dogecoin. And I think that both of those things are, are really fantastic. I don't, I, you know, whatever people's motivations are, what are in, Absolutely. In, and you, need, you need the people who are excited about getting rich to, to keep pushing the tech and to keep, you know, the news interested and keep, oh, you know, this person lost a, they threw away a Bitcoin wallet and, you know, five years ago and it's worth this. Now they're digging through a landfill. You know, you got to have those sensational stories to truly really draw in, I think, the average person and keep them interested. Uh, to touch a little bit on, you know, what you mentioned about Cuba, I think that, you know, when you look at a case like Venezuela, right, you know, their currency, the, it inflated so massively so fast that, 
if you're a Venezuelan who had worked your whole life, you know, you had saved up money and you were like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty much good to go. And then your economy just completely, uh, not to use a bad word there, but, um, you know, completely uh, steps on you, if you will, and, and basically throws out your entire, you know, lifetime of earnings to the gutter. You know, you could have invested in something like a cryptocurrency where it was based more on a global aspect and wasn't going to feel those huge swings of your local currency. You know, I think when it comes to a lot of these economies that really swing, you know, using crypto as a hedge against mass inflation is a tool that a lot of unbanked and underbanked folks can actually explore and dig into. Um, you know, because imagine, you know, you're in Venezuela, you bought, you know, a couple thousand dollars worth of Bitcoin, and then your your currency got inflated by 50,000%. You know, all of a sudden that $3,000 in Bitcoin is worth a lot more, and you could actually support your family. You can actually then, you know, have some sort of means to make ends meet. So, you know, I really, I, I, I like to look at that aspect of it. You know, it's, it's a way to kind of bet on a bigger scale that what you've put your life work into and your earnings and your time just shouldn't be tossed out because your government made some bad decisions. Yeah, yeah. I think that oftentimes if we don't think about that kind of thing, then we're just not going to be thinking about that kind of thing and not going to be <laughs> and, and, and just not going to be aware of it. I'm going to remember when, when, when I was a little kid uh, during the Gulf War and then just recently, which I was less than a little kid, when essentially Iraq, the government was toppled. And I thought, I wonder what's happening with all those people and their money and property rights. Regular folks. You know, and is it, is, is it just over? And so sort of what you were just describing, certainly uh, being able to not have your entire net worth and all of your assets tied up in your country's um, money, certainly probably an attractive thing you know you could do that with traditional investing you can buy forex you know you can invest in foreign currencies but they all kind of you know in the same way i'll argue that you know bitcoin drives a lot of price changes in the overall market you know bitcoin goes up a lot of currencies go up if bitcoin goes down a lot of currencies go down you kind of see the same thing with you know the foreign exchange market you know if the dollar goes up it tends to pull a lot of other currencies with the you know same thing you know if the yen go if the yen crashes all of a sudden a bunch of other currencies may follow it so you know, it's just a different way. You know, we're all we're all gambling, right? In in traditional finance and crypto, like it's all just a bet on what you think is going to happen. It's all speculative investments. So I think that it's just you know why not spread your basket a little bit wider and not base it on you know these systems that have been around that have we've seen kind of fail people you know a little bit here and a little bit there. So yeah, it's interesting. I it, it, as 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 I look at as um as I look at what what potential threats would be to the successful adoption or the further adoption of some of these assets. Uh, the, the electricity use certainly is one of those things. What are your thoughts on that? I love this question. Um, I recently spent some time in uh, Western New York where there's a lake that has a power plant that has been uh, switched over from producing electricity for locals because they realized it'd be more profitable to mine Bitcoin and sell that instead. Um, there was a huge sensational news piece about how it was heating up the lake to like the temperature of bathwater and all this stuff. And, you know, and, and you see these stories and once you're actually digging into the data, you realize that that's completely false. You know, 100 percent, like the, all the studies that have been done by the local, you know, agencies and stuff like that, it's all approved and within certain boundaries. And, you know, but of course, the, the quote of, oh, it's heating up like bathwater, you know, like that's the one that comes through. You know, the same thing if you always read probably, you, you know cryptos use more electricity than Venezuela, right? Like just this kind of like big blanket term. I always just challenge people to look back at 
where else are we burning a bunch of energy that we don't need to be burning? And even when it comes to traditional finance, you know, how much power is Visa using? How much power is MasterCard using? You know, all of those systems. And I then lead on to crypto is young. You know, a lot of the industry is trying to shift over green power. Um, a lot of it is trying to shift into more renewable energy. But when you're in the, you know, the chamber of just ideas and, and, and trying to launch things and doing all this stuff, you do it the easiest way possible, which probably is just, you know, regular miners and regular houses doing it just off of regular power grids and power systems, you know, off of their home computers, these giant, you know, rig systems they built with, you know, probably gaming computer graphics cards, because that's what's available at the time. Um, so I think, you know, as we see this industry continue to grow, we'll see, you know, more efficiency within the actual mining, but also we'll see new protocols come into play for larger chains, which are designed to reduce power use, you know. Ethereum right now is shifting to try and become proof of stake instead of proof of work, which will drop its power consumption immensely, um, just in the way that it basically validates the blockchain itself. So these systems are in play. They're all coming in, you know, in down the line. It's just that crypto is under this immense lens that, you know, if we look back and we're like, ah, it took us 50 years to move from, you know, a coal plant to a nuclear power plant to a water plant. When you look back in the past, we go, ah, well, 50 years is what it took. That's, you know, whatever. We, we had to spend the time to, to get it done. But crypto, we're like, we need it, you know, now. It needs to be happening this week. You know, why aren't you guys on green power yet? So I think that, you know, take some perspective, take a step back and realize that it is shifting over time and it is shifting to become more green. It's just going to take some time, unfortunately, you know, with the ideas phase and everything like that. So, yeah, well, that, 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 that certainly doesn't make sense. And that's 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 excellent context right there. Um, and whenever there's money involved and there's financial incentives, then there's probably going to be innovation. So, <laughs> so I can definitely see. A, I mean, I can't see it, but I know that I'm confident there's going to be a ton of innovation and things that we, we probably didn't even think about or consider. But in the meantime, what about those fish in that lake that are all going to be cooked and boiled? I guess that will give food to the people. Well, they're actually just going to take a bath, you know. <laughs> okay, right. It's not. It's just. It's just. You're right. Just throw some bars of soap in, and, and it's totally fine. That's terrible. That's a terrible thing to say, Zach. All right. Um, George, it's just you and me riffing now. <laughs> is, there, is there a particular aspect about crypto, uh, just, just the world that you're most excited about right now, or that's sort of really top of mind? It's, you know, it's everything. I, I love when things pop up in crypto that you didn't know you wanted them until they're around. And then you really start to, you know, it's like when you hang out with a friend and they go, what if we, um, you know, took a, a peep and microwaved it. And then we took that microwave peep and we did this. And, you know, like it just the idea just grows and grows and grows. And I think that in crypto, you know, in, in a financial way, like that exists, um, you know, someone with NFTs, for instance, um, to clarify, non-fungible tokens have been around in crypto for a long time. They just weren't used in the way that it became very popular recently. Excuse me. Um, so, you know, NFTs with you know NBA top shots and you know all this blowing up with art and you know these big pieces and these huge sales that were happening. Um, that's super exciting for me because that is designed to give money back to the artists. It's designed to give money back to the players in the NBA. You know, if if ten huge NBA stars basically said we want to launch our own NBA top shots, we want to own the rights to our own clips, they're then making the money the NBA is not. You know, the players are making the money for the work that they've been doing. And it's all going to them. You know, same for an artist, right? If an artist launches a 
a piece of artwork that they connect to an NFT, then every time it's auctioned, that NFT is designed to kick back money to the artist, you know, whatever rate they sent ahead of time. So these sorts of technologies are, are really fun and interesting because I think that you don't realize, oh yeah, the artist should be being paid better. You know, like, you know, when an artist sells a, well, not an artist, when a, when a private collector sells a piece of artwork at an auction to another private collector for $10 million, the artist gets pretty much nothing, you know, which to me isn't really that fair. The artist put the work in, they painted it. Um, you know, I think that, you know, that you see that pop up in, in, in cryptocurrency in the world of cryptos more and more, you know, right now, a huge thing is yield farming and, you know, earning on staking and stuff like that. Basically, that was the industry's response to, you know, I can go open a CD right now for like 0.85%. That's why would I do that? (laughs) Why am I going to go open a, you know, CD for less than I could get, or why I'm going to lose money on inflation, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's almost just, as a young investor, that's embarrassing to me, like to be offered those options. But then I look at the world of crypto and they're like, oh yeah, we can, you know, you can lock in and earn 6%, 8%, 10%, you know, through these different protocols. And the real beauty of it is that it's all on open source blockchains. It's all, the code's reviewable. You know, there's no like backroom conversations between where we should put the extra money and whether we should actually give it back to people. It's all there for people to look and dig into, which brings me to a point that when you're investing in crypto, Take the time to read and to learn and to, to try and understand what's actually going on with these things. Don't just hop on something because someone goes, hey, this is awesome. You know, like I'm making a bunch of money on this. You should, too. It's that sort of FOMO investing is what leads to these huge burns and these huge losses for people, you know, where they trusted their friend of a friend of a friend who got a text from somebody who said, buy this coin right now. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's I think that that's really well said right there. And that's that's kind of lost in all this. Right. At least. I don't know that uh, there's enough people talking about how you should just really educate yourself and try to learn. And that's that the same thing goes for for stock investing. There's a lot that goes into if you're really going to do due diligence and and research a company before you buy it, that, that's 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 a lot and have a strategy for it and a plan for when you're going to buy it, if you're going to keep buying it or if you're going to just hold on to it, how long you're going to hold on to it and all that stuff. So, I think that that's well said. Well, Zach, people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? You know, following up on that thread that crypto's young, you know, all of it is basically growing and changing. My tip is that you probably have an uncle or a grandma or, you know, someone older in your family who goes, I wish I had bought Apple stock or I wish I had bought this or that. You know, those opportunities have come back around for us. I'm not going to name them. But they're there in crypto. You know, we had the big ICO boom of 2017. We, you know, we had NFTs. We have now, you know, yield farming and all that sort of things. This is a, a changing of a financial revolution. Take the time to to read and learn and 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 immerse yourself in what's happening because there are going to be horses that pull ahead that are going to be around for a long time. It might not be Bitcoin. It might not be Ethereum. But they'll be there. You know, blockchain is here to stay. So just ignoring it in your portfolio and completely ignoring this entire new financial industry is silly, in my opinion. This, of course, isn't financial advice. You know, I obviously recommend highly people do their own research multiple places, you know, always vet their information. So, Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come on. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Grandma saying she wished she would have bought Apple. Like, we all wish you would have bought Apple too, Grandma. <laughs> it would have been awesome. Bought Apple at five bucks or whatever. So. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on. Where where can people learn more about you? How can they uh, how can they read your work? Head on over to finder.com. That's where all my stuff's housed. Um, 
we're a huge comparison website. We compare everything from mattresses to credit cards to cryptocurrencies. And we do it in the best uh, possible way where we're just giving information. We're not trying to tell you what to do. Excellent. Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Zach your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas, go to finder.com. That's where you'll find all of Zach's musings about the space and also check out all the great resources the Finder has as well. Thanks again, Zach. Thanks, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.